Srimad Bhagavatam, Chanto 3, Chapter 4, Vidura Approaches Maitreya, Text Number 28. Rajo Vacha, Rajo Vacha, Nidanam, Upagateshu, Upagateshu, Vrishni, Bojeshu, Adirata, Adirata, Yuta, Yuta, Ladies. Rajo 
The king inquired at the end of the pastimes of the Lord of the three worlds, Sri Krishna, and after the disappearance of the members of the Vrishni and Bodhi dynasties, who were the best of the great commanders? And why did Uddhava alone remain? Please repeat it. The king inquired. The king inquired. At the end of the past, sons of the Lord, of the three worlds, Sri Krishna, and after the disappearance of the members of the Vrishni and Bodhi dynasties, were the best of the great commanders, why did Uddhava alone remain? According to Srila Sri Jiva Goswami, Nidanam means the transcendental abode of the Lord. Ni means the highest, and Danam means opulence. And because the abode of the Lord is the highest manifestation of transcendental opulence, his abode can therefore be called Nidanam. Apart from the grammatical elucidation, the real purpose of the word Nidanam is to indicate that all the members of the Vrishni and Bodhi dynasties were direct associates of the Lord. And after the end of his pastimes, all the associates were dispatched to their respective positions in the transcendental abode. Srila Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur 
elucidates the meaning of akritim as pastimes. Ame is complete and kritim means transcendental pastimes. Since the Lord is identical with his transcendental body, there is no question of his changing or quitting his body. To act in accordance with the rules and customs of the material world, the Lord seems to take his birth or leave his body. But the pure devotees of the Lord know well the actual fact. It is necessary, therefore, for the serious students of the Srimad Bhagavatam to follow the notes and comments of the great Acharyas like Jiva Goswami and Vishwanath Chakravati. To others who are not devotees of the Lord, the comments and explanations of such Acharyas they appear to be grammatical jugglery, but to the students who are in the line of the civil succession, the explanation of the greater charyas are quite fit. The word Upagateshu is also significant. All the members of the Vrishni and Boja directly reach the abode of the Lord. Other devotees do not reach the abode of the Lord directly, but the pure devotee, pure associates of the Lord, have no attraction for the opulence of any planets in the material world. Sometimes due to inquisitiveness, devotees who are to be promoted to the abode of the Lord have some attraction for the opulence of the higher material planets above the earth, and thus they desire to see them while going up to the perfection. For the Vrishnis and Bojas were directly dispatched because they had no attraction for material planets. Srila Vishwanath Thakur also suggests that according to the Amara Kosha Dictionary, Akriti also means signal. Lord Krishna ordered Uddhava by signal to go to the Badarik Ashram after his departure, and Uddhava, as a purity of the Lord, carried out the order more faithfully than going back to Godhead, or the abode of the Lord. That was the cause of his remaining alone even after the departure of the Lord from the face of the earth. So the text again. Radu vacha nidana upagateshu vrishni bodeshu adirata yutapa yutapeshu mukyaha satu katam avishta udavo darimapi tayaja akritim triyadishaha. The king inquired at the end of the past signs of the Lord of the three worlds, Sri Krishna, and after the disappearance of the members of the Vrishni and Bodhi dynasties were the best of the great commanders, why did Uddhava alone remain? So King Parikshit is inquiring about what exactly the situation is. Why is it that Krishna left the planet and why did all these great commanders kill each other in a fratricidial war. And of course, this will be explained that this is just a show. Krishna is quite a dramatic actor. It would be very anticlimactic 
if all these members of the Vrishni dynasty died in bed from a cold. <laughs> Therefore, something more dramatic had to happen, just suitable for Krishna's pastimes. To have a fratricidal war where something like billions of people die, it's quite dramatic. And then, of course, Baladev manifests a snake from his mouth and the snake takes him back to the spiritual world. So that's quite a show. <laughs> but actually, since none of the members of the Rishni dynasty, especially the great devotees of associates of Krishna, were in the Bali concept of life, there was no real killing of the members of his family because they're all eternal. They're all eternally Krishna conscious. Therefore, it was just a means of taking them from one place to the next. And as it says here, this is more or less what people would expect if in Krishna's pastimes, at the end of his pastimes, Vaikuntha airplanes came and planes from Goloka Vrindavan came and took everyone back. It would be rather strange. People would think, well, this is really a fairy tale. We thought it was strange, but you know, suddenly all these spiritual planes appear in the sky and everyone goes back to Godhead. Sure, right. So they'll accept it more as realistic if there's a big war and they kill each other. It's just more or less in line with what they expect. The materialists, at least. After all, Krishna was killing so many other people during his pastime. There was obviously something strange about him to begin with. As I said before, his parents were thieves. Oh, well, at least his parents were criminals. He was born in a jail. He was a killer of his own nurse. He killed animals in the forest. He chased after all the girls in the, in the in the village, he escaped to a city. There he came out periodically and killed anyone who came to visit him. <laughs> so it's expected that such personalities would wind up killing each other in some great war because that was more or less their his, history, that was their tendency to begin with. So it just goes along with what people would expect. After all, he was an aboriginal cowherd boy and somehow or another he got a throne and what do you expect? He just was out of place. <laughs> but for the devotees, Prabhupada says they're not actually bewildered by these activities. They understand the deep, deeper significance. For the non-devotees, if you explain to them the difference between themselves and their body, they can't understand. If they can't understand that, they can't understand spirit. If they can't understand spirit, they can't understand that Krishna has a spiritual body. If they can't understand that Krishna has a spiritual body, then how can he have spiritual activities? And if he can't have spiritual activities, they must be mundane activities. Their mundane activities are exactly the same as our activities. Maybe a little bit more extraordinary, but after all, they're more or less mundane. And maybe Vyasadeva, who knows, it seems like they're just 
It's just a story tale. Who knows what he was doing in the Himalayas, where there are so many herbs around there. <laughs> How he came up with these stories. Because the way we're supposed to believe that Krishna had all these amazing pastimes of building cities in the middle of the ocean, then we also have to believe that there are people with four heads riding on swans. <laughs> And other people have three heads and they ride around the universe on bulls. Others, their bodies are full of eyes. And still they're able to go to sleep at night. Imagine having to close your eyes at night. How much effort that would take to go to sleep. And they want to touch you would probably poke out one of your eyes. So, if they can have all these different stories about, you know, peacocks flying around the universe and cities flying around the universe and people with three eyes on a bull with a trident and other people have four arms and four heads and anything's possible. So, anyhow, they're nice stories and at least gave some material for the Hare Krishna movement to disturb it. Otherwise they don't know what else to do. <laughs> to make some money so they can eat. So in that way people will become bewildered. Because if we can't understand the basic principle, how the body is changing, but the soul is always the same, then we won't understand, no one can understand anything else beyond that. So rather than trying to explain to people about the spiritual world and there you live forever and you have a spiritual body made out of bliss and awareness, you're just totally aware because all your senses can do all the activities, all the other senses, it's kind of like a super drug trip. <laughs> And there you live forever and all you do is play games and eat and sleep. But there's no mating, so most people wouldn't want to go there anyhow. So they hear about that. Palaces made out of touchstone that can turn iron into gold. And everyone's just dancing all the time. They think these people are crazy. We, we thought they were crazy, but now we know they're crazy. <laughs> and then there are other planets, the heavenly planets, that people will believe a little bit more. Yes, I'm a good person. I'm probably probably going to go to the Nanda, 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 what was it called? Nanda Kadana Forest. And there, there'll be so many angelic ladies to serve me, peel my grapes for me and I'll be able to enjoy in, in the gardens there. Some people think, well, this is a good hallucination, a little bit more realistic. But after all, they think that the only thing they're perceiving, what they're perceiving, that's real, and everything else is just an hallucination. But they don't mind hallucinations, because they're always taking intoxication anyhow. They just don't like hallucinations, which are too different from their conception of life. 
Therefore, here explains that the devotees, sometimes they, they themselves are curious to find out what the higher planetary systems are like. Because in the Vedic literature, especially those who read the Vedas, then there is so much glorification of different places. The abode of Indra, the abode of Varuna, the abode of Brahma. So people become interested. Fortunately, we, most of us have never read the Vedas. So. <laughs> and in Srimad Bhagavatam, you read about it, there's so much problems, especially in the 8th and ninth canto. You hear about the heavenly planets and they sound just as bad as here. You're going to go there and become one of the associates of Indra and you're going to wind up being stepped on by some huge demon. Ritrasura. <laughs> and that's the end of your pastime on the heavenly planet. You're back in <laughs> Timiswar working a job again. <laughs> that's why you, you did all kinds of pious activities for 10 million years. You wound up 15 minutes on the heavenly planet. You got there at the wrong time during Ritrasura's pastime. <laughs> you get stepped on and you're back in Timiswar again. <laughs> Therefore, in the eighth canto, we find that so many pastimes in the heavenly planets are there, and they're all miserable. Indra is miserable. He's hiding in a lotus flower for so many thousands of years of the demigods. Some lady with tuberculosis is chasing after him. It's just all problem. The demons Bali with his army attack, and he has to flee. There's nothing nice about living in the heavenly planet. And even the people trying to get to the heavenly planets, they have to go through so many problems. Some king, he gets Vishamarita Muni to send him to the heavenly planets, and he just says, you're not qualified, so he throws him down. Then the king throws him up again, and he gets thrown down. And he's just like a, like Indra and Vishamarita Muni playing ping pong. <laughs> And I think he's still hanging upside down in between. So the whole thing is not very, it's not glorified like it is in the Vedic literature. You're going to go to the heavenly planets and live there for, you know, ever. Instead, the only thing that's really given any kind of significant, we could say, glorification, is the spiritual world. And even there, the Vaikuntha, Planets are not described in the Srimad Bhagavatam at least as vividly and as you know as Krishna's pastimes. There's a whole canto dedicated to Krishna's pastimes. And therefore we can understand that the aim of Srimad Bhagavatam is to join Krishna in the spiritual world. But as Prabhupada said, hardly anyone believes in the spiritual world. And even if one did believe in the spiritual world, people don't really want to go there. They don't want to give up their material situation. Even the worm and stool, you try to drag him out of the stool and give him a bath, he'll protest. I wasn't bothering you, why are you bothering me? 
because we have no experience what the spiritual world is, we have no experience hardly of what spiritual existence is. So why would we want to go to some place we have no experience of? Although I may be glorified, but it's quite a switch. To go to some place where you can't come back or you don't come back is a real strain. They close the door behind you and you're there, you're stuck. Even if you don't like it. <laughs> and because we have a very we don't have a clear conception of what spiritual life is, therefore we, we generally take we can only compare it to our material life. I'll have some service there forever. <laughs> There's no upward mobility there. I can't get an education, change my occupation. And at best I become as a coward girl. The only thing I do is turn yoga all day long, forever. <laughs> if I'm lucky, that's the highest. <laughs> Otherwise, I become a blade of grass, and I just my pastime is everyone steps on me, turn. <laughs> I'm supposed to like them. And whether I'm smiling or not, no one cares. Because blades of grass don't smile. I can't say anything either. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> Maybe into a flower at least. So that's our material conception, bringing it into the spiritual realm. And we won't be able to change that. It's not We can't artificially just imagine what the spiritual world is like. We can hear about it. We can try to think about it. We can meditate on it. But ultimately it has to be revealed to us through our sincerity. So that means to gradually try to concentrate our minds on devotional activities with care and attention. At the same time, chant the Hare Krishna mantra, trying to avoid the fences, perform devotional service, and try to preach the Hare Krishna movement. So, in so many different ways, gradually we may, something may be revealed to us, and then we may develop gradually, gradually, become liberated from our material conceptions of life. And then we'll be ready for some spiritual conception of life. We can be given a spiritual conception of life, remain attached to our material conception of life. But that's not so easy to give up. Something we've cultivated since time immemorial, we're not about to give up in a day. <coughs> Therefore, we have to be a little patient and take advantage of the sadhana that's given to us and the opportunity to preach and to do it the best we can, utilize our time the best we can, and that way to try to make a little progress so that day after day we actually feel we're actually getting free from our material conception of life and be, become more receptive to the Holy Name and to the ideas coming from Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and Chaitanya Charitamrita. That way it has something to look forward to. Otherwise, the materialists they may criticize, oh, these people are living in a dream. And we also tell them that you're also living in a dream. So at least we have, we have a good dream. <laughs> you have a nightmare. And our dream is, however you may think it's a dream, it's a at least it's better than your dream. <laughs> if you get a dream, you should dream our dream. At least we have something to look forward to. You may think you have something to look forward to, but you'll be unpleasantly surprised probably. <laughs> you actually you, you, look, you have something to look backward to.
<laughs> Anyhow, let's chant Hare Krishna and be happy. And here are this literature and hear about the great devotees and all these wonderful pastimes and try to understand them to the best of our ability and not to become confused if we don't understand them because we haven't even understood fully, clearly, that we're not even this body. So what are we going to understand about Krishna's workings and the internal energy with all these eternal associates? It's not possible. So, thank you. Any questions? Yes. How do we increase our determination for devotional service? Do what's necessary to get a higher taste. Learn the science of acting in such a way that Krishna becomes pleased to reveal himself to us, to reveal transcendental knowledge to us, so we get a higher taste. We get either spiritual understanding, things become clearer, or we actually directly perceive Krishna's internal energy in terms of the pleasure potency of Krishna. So one experiences the pleasure potency of Krishna and the knowledge potency of Krishna, and actually one becomes once more of it. It's not just struggling to get some, you know, better sadhana or whatever, it's one becomes, one becomes naturally attractive, because that's what we're looking for, learning how to become permanently, eternally happy, blissful. Anything else? Yes. You mentioned that in this world uh, we don't have anything to look forward to. I wonder if in, in Krishna consciousness should we look forward to being more advanced, to being more dedicated and need to expect these things to come or to uh, endeavor for these things or just endeavor for service and activities? What's the difference? <laughs> because maybe we do the service but we expect that sometimes to, to have a higher taste to have uh, to well, what else are we here for? To... we're not here to get the lower taste <laughs> but maybe we struggle to be happy and I, I've heard that it's, we should not endeavor to do service in order to be happy but we why not? you want to be you're doing service to become miserable? <laughs> <laughs> no, but to make Krishna happy not ourselves well, we make Krishna happy that's how we become happy that's the whole idea if you know, make, just like, why do we eat prasada? Because we think when the body becomes satisfied, I'll become satisfied. Isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> but we're not the body, we're just serving the body. So our idea is that we, we try to make something happy so we can become happy. So why not try to make Krishna happy and see if we don't become happy by doing that? Like you should torture yourself, that will make Krishna happy. We have some devotee that is not just the, the pure devotion. Yeah, of course, we're not pure devotees. <laughs> <laughs> Why try and fool yourself? This is what I'm asking, if we should expect like, to, to become, to have this desire to become pure devotees, or to have... Yeah, we'll desire. become pure devotees when we reach it, when we, first of all, let's become liberated by dedicating our activities to Krishna, rather than to this body. Then we can talk about, you know, what our higher level of consciousness is. Right now we're in the bodily concept of life, so if we're not aiming to please Krishna, then we'll be aiming to please our body. In any case, we'll be aiming to please ourselves. So we should find out how to actually please ourselves, by pleasing Krishna. We're servants, 
So either we can serve the body, hoping to become happy that way, or we can serve Krishna, hoping to become happy that way. When we forget about our own selves, you know, first of all, we don't even know who we are. <laughs> We've already forgotten ourselves. So this idea of becoming selfless, it's not going to happen. Right now we're struggling, so we want to get it. So we have so many de desires to become happy and stop the struggle. So take shelter of Krishna for that. Let's see if it doesn't work. And then when we become liberated, we'll have nothing else to worry about. Right now we, we, we have so many things to worry about. So first we become liberated. And when you have nothing to worry about, then think of unalloyed selfless service to Krishna. Yes, it would be nice. I'm only doing this to please Krishna. We should think like that. I'm doing it to please, at least I'm doing it to please Krishna. Just like we do things to please the body. Because we know it's all for our benefit. So we should do things which pleasing to Krishna. So that's good. So it's, it's not that if I do things to please Krishna, then automatically I should be displeased by doing it. Krishna will only be pleased if I'm displeased. <laughs> no, Krishna will also be pleased when he sees I'm pleased. But I should try to, just like we have relationships with people, because we know if I do something to please them, I'll also be pleased. So why, why not try to do something to please Krishna? And we should expect to be, you know, we should be surprised if we become pleased. <laughs> oh my God, I'm becoming pleased. This is a, <laughs> this is a failure. <laughs> Krishna must be morose seeing that I'm pleased. <laughs> I spoiled my devotional service. If we're not pleased, then we won't be able to stay in devotional service. If all the time we, we put ourselves in a position where we're, we're becoming the most displeased possible. Oh my God, I'm happy. Where's the, where's these flagellates? <laughs> oh. Relief. <laughs> I almost became happy. <laughs> what an offense. <laughs> now as Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma, if we give up our material desires, our material desires, then we'll become happy automatically. It's not our, it's, we're not trying to give up our spiritual desires, we're trying to give up our material desires. Some material desires is serving lust, anger, and greed. It's not that if I serve Krishna, I become happy, something's wrong. That's what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Matter of fact, Krishna won't be happy unless we're actually offering our service with love. So, if we're actually doing it with love, we'll be pleased. That's we'll be pleased by our own love, by our own sincerity and love. Just like Krishna comes as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in order to experience the mood of Srimati Radharani. And part of that, there's three things. One of them is Srimati Radharani's love is so great that she experiences some, such great pleasure just by her own love for Krishna. So we also have love. So we experience that love for Krishna, then we'll be pleased. And also he came to experience his own qualities that Srimati Radharani is able to perceive by her love. So when we develop our love for Krishna, which is what actually pleases us, makes us happy, then we'll be able to experience Krishna's qualities. And that will make us even more happy. And when we experience all of 
Krishna's love for us, that will make us even more happy. So God himself comes for those reasons. So we should have those same reasons. We should try to... Loving Krishna will make us happy. And experiencing Krishna's love will also make us more happy. And experiencing the wonderful qualities that Krishna has will make us even more happy. So if it's good enough for Krishna, it must be good enough for us too. Anything else? Yes. Does it mean to have uh, detachment, to not have detachment like a monkey? To have what? <laughs> to to uh, not have detachment like a monkey, uh, like uh, Yukta Vairagya. Uh, to not have detachment? Yes, I, Where's read, monkey? Some, I read somewhere that uh, we don't have to have detachment like a monkey, like monkey is not detached or something like Well, there is some, I guess there is some idea of mercy. There's two ideas that one is the monkey grabs hold of the mother and the mother, you know, by his own strength. And the other is that the, mo the mother grabs hold of the monkey and pulls him along. Or the cat, I guess that's the cat. Sometimes the cat. The idea is that mother cat grabs hold of the kitten and carries him. The other is the monkey holds on to the mother. So our, our basic idea is to be we act as if everything depends upon us and we pray as if everything depends upon Krishna. So it's not that, oh, Krishna, give me your mercy. And we don't do anything. We just sit around expecting Krishna's mercy. We act trying to get Krishna's mercy. But we depend upon Krishna to give us his mercy. So we have choices. It's a question of making the right choices. We have, we have to figure out what the choices are and what the correct one is. And if we do that, then Krishna is pleased just by that. There's nothing else we can do. Simply decide to make the right choices. Alright, it's nice being here. I have to leave early. And I look forward to seeing you again. Because Leela Sukhapur will stay here and enlighten you in devotional service in Krishna consciousness. So thank you for your association. Grandra Shimad Bhagavatam Kijaya, Shiva Prabhupada Kijaya, Or Pimanandeya.